I do have to say, before we start talking about video games on this episode, I just was gilded on Reddit. Have you ever gotten Reddit gold? You've got a Reddit gold? I got a Reddit gold. That's, that's, so one karma is one internet point. One gold is like, that's at least a thousand internet points just by itself, right? Yeah, it's a lot of internet points. That's incredible. What did you get gilded for? Earlier today, I, I looked at rising posts in Ask Reddit, and the topic, the the post was, what song has the best opening line? And I just posted in all caps, time to play the game, and I got Reddit gold for that. <laughs> uh, the song that immediately came to mind to me, uh, for me, to that question was, I want to be the very best like no one ever was. That Ooh. was immediately the first thing that popped into my head. See, and I couldn't even think of anything. Like, I mean, I just, I was like, it's time to play the game is what Motorhead screams at the start of Triple H's mm-hmm. um, music, um, the pro wrestler. So yeah, I just thought it was dumb. It has like 330 upvotes and a bunch of people replied all the, throughout the day and they were like, uh, love that song, got me pumped <laughs> up, used to like walk in during high school and spit out water on my friends. Like, so I did not Wait realize. a minute, did, was that you replying to your own post? <laughs> Only 59% of them. Okay. Give or take 41. Sure. Welcome to Game Life Balance US, a lifestyle podcast about how to be a grown-up gamer and still go to work and get sleep. With your hosts, Cody Goff. Hello, hell. And Jonathan Martin. You're going to be my meat in my Jonathan sandwich. Check out our website at gamelifebalance.us, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, and more. I'm Stargate Pioneer. And I'm Stephen Jondrew. And we're from Better Podcasting, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at gunnageeknetwork.com. And get ready, because geekiness begins in... In three, two. Yeah, hey, Reddit Gold. For me, Cody Goff, one of the hosts of Game Life Balance US, this podcast that I'm doing with Jonathan Martin. As usual, as usual, we're starting late because you decided to try something new that broke your computer again. Which is yeah, uh, that's pretty par for the course every single time we try to do this. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Pro tip for any podcaster or anyone trying to do anything with a computer: don't ever use Bluetooth headphones, or just don't use anything. computers. Just don't use computers for anything. We and have recorded uh, episodes over the phone before. We d- yeah, we did have to do that, and th- I th- I think that again was something where it just didn't work. Like everything was the same, and it just didn't work that day. So again, par for the course. Well, speaking of time to play the game, now it's time to talk about the game. That was a great transition, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. Yes, it was. It was fantastic. Hey, if you uh, if you joined us last time, last last episode was our second episode back from our long hiatus, um, and we are talking the SNES Classic games. We're going through all of them, one episode at a time. Yeah, we could do them all in one episode like the Game Life Balance Australia people did, but uh, we're Americans. Yeah, and we feel these games deserve way more time and attention than what those Aussies were willing to give them. I feel like you were sitting up in your chair before. It's not a good chair. The chair that I'm in is not... It doesn't have, like, a... You know the lower lumbar thing? 
like if I had the lower lumbar, maybe I need to get like a pillow, but I have no mm. lower lumbar. Yeah, so the lumbar. it's really it's really easy to slouch down in this chair here. I will sit proper for you for this episode. It's not good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to get comfortable here. We're good. We're good to go. Today today we're talking about Super Castlevania 4 or no. It's just Super Castlevania, right? No, it's Super Castlevania 4, it is Super which is annoying. 4. Because there's no Super Castlevania 1, 2, or 3. There's just Castlevania 1, 2, and 3. No, but come on. It's got the same naming conventions as tons of other Super Nintendo games. Just like, you know, it, there's a ton of Super Mario Kart, uh, Super F-Zero, um, Super Mario RPG. Look, they're all over. And then Nintendo 64 did the same thing, like Mario 64. It's just, it was a naming convention thing. You've got Super Mario Sunshine GameCube. Like, every, every system. You've got Mario Odyssey Switch. Mario's Switch. Mario's. Right, so this one did it specifically wrong because if you look at Super Metroid, that's Metroid 3, but it's Super Metroid. It's not Super Metroid 3. That's not what they did. Ghouls and Ghosts, they did Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which is not called Super Ghouls and Ghosts 2 because they realized there was no Super Ghouls and Ghosts 1. Star Fox 64 is not called Star Fox 3 64. Super Mario 64 is not Su- Super Mario Super- 5 64. Okay, so, su- super. Stuff. So this is the most poorly named video game on the Super Nintendo, other than maybe Uniracers. Hmm. I'm gonna have to look at the entire catalog of games to to see if you're correct. Okay. By next episode, maybe I'll do that. I'm not gonna do that. You're not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. So anyway, we played Super Castlevania Four, and which is timely. We've talked about this. It's like uh, Halloween just happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So Halloween just happened just under two months ago, right? So that makes this ripe. Yeah, it's like the perfect time to discuss a Halloween-themed game. It's not a Halloween-themed game, though. It's a Castlevania-themed game. It's yeah, a Dracula-themed so, game. So ripe. So I'm going to let you take the helm on this one because you actually grew up with this game. Now, I've played it before. I don't remember how long ago or when or where, but this was not a, a part of my childhood uh, canon. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. I think... Throughout the years, I came to Castlevania later than most people. I owned this game, and then Castlevania disappeared off my radar. So I didn't actually ever own Symphony of the Night until I had a PS3, and I bought it on the on like the virtual store. Um, and the the like the next Castlevania games after Super Castlevania that I played were the the Game Boy Advance games. Which was Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow, I want to say. I get them confused sometimes with the DS games. I think that's probably common. But I had this gap of time, and especially Symphony of the Night, which is like, you know, that's the seminal game of all of the Castlevania games. It's the one that that basically launched the... um, the the series into what it became and what it still is in that in just the style of game that it is so before that was super castlevania 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 2 and castlevania 3 right (coughs) i owned this game i did not i was not good at it as a kid i didn't play a lot of it when i was a kid um because i i found it difficult i remember finding it very difficult when i had it and i just had so many other games that i would have rather played and i was really into rpgs when I was younger. So I had played this through to completion, but I hadn't, I hadn't played this game in probably 20 years 
something like that. So it had been a very long time. So I was actually pretty excited to go back to it. But I, like I said, I had this big gap of time where Castlevania, and I never even played the Nintendo games. I never played Castlevania 1, 2, or 3 at all. So this was literally the first Castlevania game that I played. Oh, ever? Ever. I didn't have, I didn't have the Genesis Castlevania games, although I did own a Genesis. I, didn't, I never bought those games. So it was basically this, and then Castlevania disappeared from my life until Game Boy Advance. So that was my, that's kind of my perspective in terms of where I was coming to this game from. Okay. That makes sense. Um, now, you didn't have this game. I grew up with Castlevania. I think I grew up with the original Castlevania or something. Originally, I, I ended up training some game for Castlevania 3, which I played a lot. Castlevania, and, 3, Castlevania 3 is an excellent game. Yeah, I don't think I ever beat it, actually. It's a very hard game. Maybe once or twice. But it was a very, very difficult game. And... Castlevania 3 I liked a lot because you could play as... I mean, it was very hard, again, but so were lots of NES games at the time. When I couldn't beat Zelda 2, I couldn't beat lots of games, presumably. You could play as multiple characters in Castlevania 3, which I liked a lot. You got control of Grant, you could play Alucard, you could play as Sylvia, Sylvia, Sylvia. Yeah, and they all played played very differently, too. Yeah, exactly. So there was like a lot of variety, and you had the choice of where to go. So the cool thing about this game was you get to the end of a stage, you can maybe go up a staircase or down a staircase. When he says this game, he's still we're still talking Castlevania three here. Castlevania three, yeah. And so you kind of choose your own adventure. You could go through the mad woods if you thought that was easier or harder or more fun, or you could go to the swamp, things like that, on your way to the castle. It was very epic and, and very cool. And then Super Castlevania four came along, and I, I for some it just I missed it on the Super Nintendo. Um, but then beyond that, my relationship with Castlevania is when I first got Napster, I accidentally downloaded a song from Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I liked it so much I found more music from Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So, yeah, I'm just going to admit, I illegally downloaded a bunch of music from Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which led me to then buy the game, new, at retail, and then buy several other Castlevania games. So that, that soundtrack is phenomenal. I still like I can still remember songs from that soundtrack just in my head. I've, yeah, it's that is an excellent soundtrack. It's it's unbelievable, especially as a middle schooler who is stealing free music off the internet. So my entire history of Castlevania started there, and I, I like Castlevania Symphony of the Night so much that when we were in high school, I use I hooked up my playstation to my vcr that used to play vhs tapes for those of you who are younger and i would hit record and i recorded myself playing through the game on a vhs tape and i'll play for like two hours and if i needed to save the game change my inventory i would stop it right when the little save animation stopped for a second and then i would hit record right when the save animation started again so it looks kind of editless even though yeah, i caught you, a couple times you definitely did do that i kind of forgot that you edited as you went yeah, it is on our YouTube channel. Yeah. So there's there's no post-production editing whatsoever. It was literally, I would like hit stop at the save point and then rewind it a couple seconds and then hit record when I came back from the save point. Uh, and I only paused the game like twice in the whole run through. There's no commentary or anything. It's just a VHS tape that, last, that earlier this month I ripped from my VCR, which is sitting on my desk right now, and it is now on our YouTube channel. So if and- you want to watch... 17-year-old Cody play through Castlevania Symphony in the Night, you may do that. And listener, just for some context, when we were in high school, we would get together at Cody's place. He was generally kind of the hangout house. And we wouldn't always play video games. That's what we would do most of the time. 
But anytime that we were not playing video games, he would be playing the tape of him playing <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night in the background. Anytime that we were that we were not actually using the TV for something. I can confirm this. The weirdest so, thing was when I was playing in the pit orchestra of like a musical and I left my sister's high school graduation party to go play clarinet in the pit orchestra at the Starlight Theater. And when I came back, I walked in and she was sitting there in our living room with like eight of my friends. I'm pretty sure you were there, John. And everyone was watching the Symphony of the Night tape. And I just walked in and I just like, how the hell did this happen what is going on? And weird. Sam Castry just turned around and he was just like, I don't know. It's just the way things are. This is not a Symphony of the Night episode, although it would be very easy to talk about that game for an extended period of time. This, though, is a Super Castlevania episode. Yes. So I am curious because you and I, so you and I have, we talk throughout the week and we started off with wildly different opinions about this game. So we did. Um, so so was, tell me about what your initial impressions were. I, I feigned on Twitter that I really hated the idea of playing it, but I didn't really care that much. Sure. I just remember not loving the game. Um, the setup that I gave with the music of the Castlevania series, I think, is important because this has informed my opinion of the game over the years. Whenever I have watched a clip of the game or seen somebody play the game... I have immediately noticed that the music is unacceptably bad. And it's a lot of the same songs. It's Vampire Killer, Bloody Tears, a lot of the classics from the Castlevania series. But they are rendered so poorly, I liken it to listening to a Beethoven symphony or a Mozart Requiem played by a kazoo. It just doesn't work. Okay. It's really bad instrumentation. And I it takes me out of the game and... Music is a huge thing for me. I, like, I still listen to original soundtracks from Super Nintendo games like the Final Fantasy games and Chrono Trigger. But I, the, just the music takes me out of it. It just sounds really cheesy and bleepy and bloopy. And it just ruins the whole ambiance for me totally and utterly. That said, I think that as a Super Nintendo game, it does a lot of things really, really well. It has these little cinematic elements that you start to see in the Super Nintendo era, especially with games like Final Fantasy VI. Like... For example, you're traversing towards Dracula's castle for a lot of this game, and then you finally reach the castle. At some point very near the end of the game, you cross a bridge, and it's a really long bridge, and you're running across it, and a bunch of bats start flying after you, mm -hmm. and you can see the forest in the background, and some mountains, and some mist, and the moon in the background. But it gives you this sense of, that's where I came from. It gives this very clear sense of, like, I traversed through all of that, and I got all the way here, and now I'm up on this huge hill and this castle looking down on this whole expanse. And it gives you this really great sense of scale and grandeur that's really, really cool. And there are a couple other cinematic elements like that that I really, really enjoy, particularly at the very end of the game, which I can save for later. But, um, but, but I think that it does some, some things really, really well in terms of kind of setting the scene visually. It's just that the sound really bothered me. And then in terms of the gameplay... I think that it does some things pretty well. I think that the difficulty is mostly fair, but I think that a couple of the mechanics don't work smoothly enough for me to give it a pass sure. as a really highly playable game. And the stage I'm talking, the component that I'm talking to specifically is 
Number one is the 3D elements aren't always super smooth and you're not always exactly sure where you're going to land. But for the most no, part, that works no, pretty well. No, just to give that a little context, this was one of like the first games that tried to really use the, the whole Mode 7 thing that the Super Nintendo could do to actually make it a functional part of the game. So they were experimenting with this game in a way that like it hadn't been done before. So mm-hmm. I think your criticism is fair because I do think, especially with like the pendulum swinging chandelier level, because there's a level where like the chandeliers are swinging and is very. I thought it was very difficult to platform on that, which is something mm-hmm. you have to do. Um, but it was it was like one of the first of its kind. So that's I, that's yeah. why it is as it is is it feels as unfinished as it does. And I actually think they did a pretty good job yeah. considering it was one of the first games. It's my stupid. problem mecha- my problem mechanically was with the staircase. Okay. Staircases. Yeah, I think that's fair. There are several parts so in past Castlevania games you can only embark or disembark on a staircase from its origin point. In the original games you had to be at the bottom and press up or at the top and press down and you would be on the stairs. You couldn't jump onto the staircase and then climb it. You also could we, not jump on staircases. You also, uh, when you were hit on staircases, you were not knocked back or forth. Um, correct. In Castlevania games. So keep that in yeah. mind, listener. So they changed that mechanic for this game. So you can jump onto a staircase, and if you hold the up button, then you land on it. And if you get hit, then you get knocked off of it, which sounds great in theory, but it really doesn't work all the time. And no, it's not weird... precise enough. I agree. It's not a precise enough action to work every time. And so occasionally you'd think you were going to be jumping on a staircase and you would just fall to your death. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Sure. And there are many times, my one issue with it specifically is near the end of the game, a notorious screen that is endless where you have to climb, you have to send up this 50 screen vertical screen with lots of quickly flying platforms and a buzzsaw at the bottom that slowly moves up that tries to kill you. And staircases, staircases that fall as you climb them. And the staircases that fall as you climb it is the problem because I would jump on a staircase and land on it, but then the game, it would just lock up for a second. Like Simon Belmont just forgets to use his legs or something. And then the staircase would just collapse and I would die. And that happened a dozen times and it was just really unfair and very annoying so for that reason i didn't i didn't quite love that but again overall i i think it's it's like i don't know it's hard to even compare to other castlevania games it's kind of its own thing with its very unique advantages and very unique flaws i think more than anything you need to compare it to the games that came before it because it is more like castlevania's one through three than it is like anything that came after it um, there's some there's some history of Castlevania that I do not have at all, like Rondo of Blood or Dracula X, which was like a, a one that came out for the Genesis in Japan only or something originally, and it kind of bridges the gap. I have no knowledge of that game. I've never played it. So, like to my to my knowledge, I've got the Super Nintendo game and the three previous games, and then it picks up again with Symphony of the Night. And and Symphony of the Night is such a different thing. It's a, it takes the series, the series is a completely different game at that point, completely different. And that's what they ended up running with. So this is kind of, to me, this kind of feels like the last of the original style of Castlevania games. So this should have been like the pinnacle of that, right? Of like the pinnacle of that style. And I, I feel like for me, it really feels like a good, a very good souped up version of those Nintendo games. 
So you think that Super Castlevania 4 is the best of the first four games? I think that 3 is probably the best of the first four games. But I think in terms of like a... Like t- like Super Castlevania 4... So Castlevania 3, the, the point of that game was less to tell a single cohesive story and more to give you options, I feel like, of playing through... Um, like this Castlevania game and experimenting with some stuff by having those different characters and the different paths. Super Castlevania feels like we're going to tell a story from start to finish. You are going to be Simon. You are going to have to go through all of Transylvania and then go through all of Dracula's castle and in a last epic battle, kill Dracula. And that's going to be like the end of Simon's story. So that to me kind of was, was what this game was doing and telling and I thought it did it phenomenally well. I do agree with you that it has some technical limitations, but I f- I feel like like certain certain decisions like the like when you're walking up and down stairs, you know, you you can't like jump on a staircase. Um I I feel like the design of all of the levels was very good around those types of mechanics. Like like the way the staircases worked, the way the enemies were placed like near them was very intentional. You could whip, because you can whip in every direction in this game, you can position yourself a lot of times in ways where you can just whip up or whip diagonally and kill anything above you that or you can try to charge in and and occasionally take damage if you try to go in faster. But if you're like careful, like they it feels like they put things in positions where if you pay attention and if you and if you go slow and with you know, and intentionally, like you can get through it without a ton of trouble. So that's kind of like where that's how I felt about this game. I felt like I felt like the levels were actually designed incredibly well with what with the way that the game worked. And they felt totally fair to me, except for that last level. And I think the biggest part of that was because those staircases fell as you walked up i think that was the the biggest like mistake of that level um just because of the speed at which you walk up stair walk up and down staircases in that game um as well as the fact that like if you drop off one of those you will meet your dead right and you you have to start over there's no like there's no coming back from just simply not even like landing on the staircase in the first place yeah yeah i could see that so yeah but other than that level i really thought that it was tuned very well and the platforming so the i the, i think they did a really interesting thing with the platforming where you are slow simon is not like a super fast agile nimble character he's pretty he's kind of plodding right yeah but the way the platforming works none of the platform like none of the gaps are like pixel perfect like you never it never feels like you have to like you just barely make it onto a ledge and the the amount that you have to get Simon onto a ledge to actually make a jump is minuscule. It can be like the tip of his toe and it counts as like a jump, an accurate jump. So very, very rarely was I at a jump where I felt like I missed it and it was like the game's fault. In fact, I don't know if that ever actually happened because it would always give me enough clearance to get up onto whatever ledge I was trying to get on. Yeah. And I think they knew that because like Simon's slow. So I think that they did that as like a, it was, that was a concession. It feels like just to make it more enjoyable to play. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I do think mechanically they did some things well. My problem really is the combat. So the Mega Man games are really great. And I think part of that is because you're attacking from across the screen. So there's a little bit of coordination. Whereas with this game, most of the time you're using your whip. And it's a short range weapon. And there are these little bone pillars with a skull forwards and a skull looking backwards. And they'll shoot fireballs at you. And they're... they're dozens of times in this game where you just get to one of these platforms and you just walk up to it and you either stand or you crouch and you just hit the whip button four times and it's just like do i need i don't know i I just felt that it kind of killed the pacing it's like do i need to stand here and just like whip four times there's nothing challenging or interesting about that whereas at least in Mega Man, i'm kind of running and gunning there's a lot of movement that you're coordinating at the same time this was just like kind of run stop attack attack you know the the combat itself I think is problematic in certain points and the movement of the enemies has to be limited inherently because your movement is limited. So I'm not sure that they could have done it a lot differently, but, uh, but yeah, it just, I I think, I guess, I think think at the start of the game, those enemies are, are placed in those ways, um, in like the ways that you said where they're maybe in, in less interesting spots. But as the game goes on, those, like those bone pillars that you're talking about would be, you would be like after a jump or they'd be at the top of a staircase where if you just walked up that staircase, you, you could be hit off, off a ledge and die. And so you might need to whip up, up to kill them. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think that like many games, those types of placements in the early levels were kind of meant to teach you about those enemies. And maybe that might, maybe that type of thing might have gone on too long. Um, but then they later used that. I thought they later used that in, in a different way to make to make like the platforming and the ascending like a tower type thing more interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, yeah, the the enemy movements are like I disagree with you actually that the enemy movements are are limited. I think they do a lot of really interesting enemy movements where there's a lot of like arcing swooping type enemies and you have a whip that literally whips in eight directions, right? So you have to time your jumps and your movement and your whip attack in a way so that it overlaps with the enemy's movement like you have to be very you have to predict very well where enemies are going to be at what time in order to hit them accurately like the like bats that swoop up and down or medusa heads that are swooping up and down in it you're you can't just like flail wildly and kill those things so that does require a lot of coordination but it does it doesn't feel unfair yeah, and I, I don't think that overall it feels unfair. I and and I did soften on it. I th- I think it's it's a solid game, but it's not one that I love. It had its moments that were really enjoyable, and I think for many people they could just play it and like it a lot. But for me, something just kind of held me back. I'm not sure. I should pause, by the way, I should pause. This is a remake of the original Castlevania. So that's, I mean, that's an important point. That's an think, important point. That I don't I, think I, I don't think I actually knew that. We have left that. Yeah, no, I, I, I pulled yeah. up a page because I remember I had some trivia and I, I pulled up one of the source sure. pages and, uh, and in fact, the Japanese in Japan, Castlevania and Super Castlevania Four share the exact same name, Akumajo Dracula. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I that was a fact that I did not know. So, yeah. um, I think I think what's interesting about it is they the type of platforming you're doing in this game is so unlike the traditional platforming that you think of 
um, when you're thinking of of NES and SNES games, right? Like Mega Man and Mario, very precise movements where you where you feel like you have complete control of your character at all times. Um, gaps gaps and jumps that are uh, pixel perfect sometimes in order to to make them. Um, this just it feel like your character feels chunky and weighty in a way that other games don't and and it is a different it just feels like a completely different style of platforming that still works and i think that that is kind of the admirable piece of this because it's really like it's easy to do what other people are doing and make like the fast you know agile character that's running around like crazy um but i think it's harder to make something like this work yeah and and so and i feel like they did make it work um speaking to your cinematic part uh, point that you were talking about earlier this game has legitimately one of for me one of the best moments in a game that i can remember in a long time and it was at the it's at the very end of the game you make it to dracula and you're fighting dracula and he's got a full health bar and you can see his health bar and you get him down to about a third of of health left and there's no mu- there's there's no real music when you're fighting him but you get him down to about a third of health left and the screen kind of freezes and he transforms into, I don't know, real Dracula or something. And he transforms basically into like the best version of himself that he can be. And Bloody Tears starts playing in the like in the background as you continue the fight and finish the fight. And it it seriously felt one, it was it was in it was like in game, so it didn't have to pull you out of game to do anything cinematic. It was just a moment in game. And to it like it was a it's an early super nintendo game like stuff like this didn't happen back then and it still was effective today it was effective like now in terms of like a it is a 2017 moment it was an epic moment and the first time that it happened i it took me about three three attempts to finally kill dracula but the first time that it happened i was like oh man it is on right now i of course then died in like 20 seconds later <laughs> but but it got me pumped and it got me super excited to get back in there and fight again it was a super epic moment one of my favorite that i've had with a video game actually in a long time and and part of that too is because it is a it's a slog to get to dracula like the last few levels of this game are very challenging so you like you see like finally it finally felt like you're coming to this this climax this culmination and it was just like it was just a great moment. It was super, super awesome. Yeah, and I will say, I mentioned that bridge moment, which comes in the last couple stages. It's actually the last, kind of... it's the last stage, yeah. It's right before that boss rush. Oh, that's right, it is. So I mentioned that, and that kind of kick-started my imagination a little bit, and that has that is a thing that the Super Nintendo did. And I haven't felt that from a video game in a while. Like, when I was little, I don't know if you did this, but I would, like, make up dialogue in my head for characters as to what they might be saying to each other. No, but I think I know where you're, kind of where you're coming from since the, since the graphics aren't exactly, you know, realistic. You kind of have to fill in some gaps yourself, right? For me, it was like playing action figures. Sure. I especially did this with role-playing games, especially Final Fantasy VI. Like, if I had a party, and the fun of that game was you could change your party, so it was any combination of four characters that you had. And so I would change the combinations, and I would have these, like, imaginary conversations with all the characters going on while they were in battles and things. And I would occasionally do it for, for 2D side-scrollers and other games as well, maybe even 
I mean, you, you couldn't with every game, but it was a thing that I would do. I like playing action figures when you're a kid, only instead of playing action figures in your hands, you've got characters on the screen. Right. And when I got to Dracula in this game, that part of my brain went full throttle, like totally haywire. Sure. And that has not happened in a long time. But the way the music is incredibly understated when you fight Dracula, as you said, it's not this epic rock blast or organ music. It's really it's quiet. very, very muted. Yeah. It's, it's barely anything. But you get this sense with the depth of the background and that open coffin there and just you and Dracula, you really get this feeling of... This is the, it's almost like a bond you have with Dracula, like this intimate confrontation of this vampire hunter who just underwent this entire journey that you just looked back on off this bridge and you just defeated death and all these other avatars of evil creatures and you climb this lone staircase and you get there in this big empty room and it's just the two of you and you're always very close. It's a tight screen. It's not like you can run around left and right or anything in, in, in a large you know, multi-screen area. It's just a tight thing. And it felt, it felt really cool and extremely cinematic. And then like you said, the music. So to me, the ending was executed flawlessly. And was, I think- It was awesome. To the maximum capacity- that the Super Nintendo could stimulate a person's imagination, starting in the le- in the last few levels. But even the level before the bridge, you're in like the treasury of the castle, and there's gold everywhere. Oh yeah, and it's that is a really cool level too. And there's like money bats that are that are flying. That when you when you attack them, they the gold rains on you and can hurt you. I mean, that was cool stuff. Yeah, and you're jumping on very- tre- treasure chests and stuff. Yeah, and it informs the character of Simon Belmont. I mean, you're in this vault with. It's like Scrooge's money bin times 12,000. There's just gold everywhere. And it informs your character that you're just... All you care about as a player and presumably as this character, Simon Belmont, is just killing bad guys, getting past them so that you can kill Dracula. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, they also do a cool thing where you whip you whip candelabra, candles in this game to get items and hearts and things hearts fuel the items that you have to use and right before dracula when you die on dracula and you and if you need to continue with dracula you start immediately before him with like four candles there um and one of the candles is always the cross right and so you always get to go into battle with dracula with a cross which is a that's a really cool it's just a really cool thing that they did as well um i really liked that uh, yeah, all and, of it really. Yeah, it was really good. Well the end, the end of the game was was really good. And short of that one, honestly, short of that one tower at the end of the game, I really enjoyed all of the rest of the game. I really did. The bosses were, uh, I would say, a tad on the um, uninteresting side for a lot of the game. Um, the levels were definitely where for me like the meat of the enjoyment was because a lot of times the boss is just boiled down to the boss appeared i whipped him a bunch of times and he would hit me and i would have no idea how to avoid his attacks but it wouldn't matter because he wouldn't kill me fast enough for me just to whip him a bunch of times again and kill him so that's oftentimes how the bosses played out for me and so those didn't matter nearly as much but the levels are so long and they're so involved and they're so detailed that they're they're the showpiece of the game for me. Yeah, I agree. So overall, I would give this game... I actually would recommend playing this game. I, I think it does hold up, and it does some things that the SNES did really well. I, 
I think that there are limitations in terms of the combat, and it's not always extremely interesting, and it's not always my cup of tea, and I think that there are more complex combat systems that you can play, but for a remake of the original Castlevania game, I think it does a lot of things right and pretty well, and uh, I, I, I actually would recommend playing it, and I really did turn around the second half of the game. Actually, probably the final third of the game sure. is when I really turn around. And, and listener, uh, one more point I'll add is that if you're not, so I am not an audiophile like Cody, and to me, I didn't notice anything wrong about the music. Nothing seemed out of, kind of out of sorts with it. It seemed like a Super Nintendo soundtrack. So if you are not I, I, a Castlevania music aficionado, I don't think you need to worry about that particular concern that Cody had going into this game. Um, because I, I don't think, if, like for me, it wasn't. There was nothing detrimental about it at all. You're wrong. I've. I get told that a lot. I'm married. Like you are too. So you know that as well. That's fair. All right. Do you want to do Castlevania Four trivia? Do you, you recommend it? You think it still holds for up? For sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was actually. I'll be honest. I. It held up better than I originally anticipated. Um, and I, I mean, I remember liking the game, just thinking it was hard, but it held up better yeah. than I thought it was going to. It held up better than I anticipated. But uh, again, just some of the and like when you whip um, torches, they drop weapons. But 99 percent of the time, I would just whip the torch as I'm jumping into it. So I picked up like every weapon. Like, I, I don't know. The weapons are way underutilized. Yeah. Like, you only use the dagger they were and pretty, axe. They were pretty useless. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, I have a lot of little nitpicky problems with it, that, the sound, et cetera. But again, yeah, it exceeded my expectations as well. And I would still give it a, I would still say, yeah. So are you ready for trivia? I am. Yep. All right. <clears throat> now, I found the book called SNES Classic, The Ultimate Guide to Castlevania Four. By Black NES Guy. Wait a minute. That's Was that his birth name? I think that's his birth name. Black oh. NES. And NES is in caps. So B-L-A-C-K and then capital NES Guy. Black NES huh. Guy. This is an ebook you can buy on Google Books. And there's some Castlevania trivia in it. I don't know. So if, if this is wrong trivia, then blame that. But that is the sure. source of this trivia is from Black NES Guy. And uh, yeah. So, of the 40-plus Castlevania games, eight of them plus. Yep, I'm... Are, are, I asked the question wrong. I ruined the answer. But uh, eight of them are what? Of the 40 Castlevania games, eight of them are what? Yeah. Uh, you're saying you already ruined it, but I don't know if you did. Sorry. Yeah. So, what I was supposed to say was, of the 40 different Castlevania games... How many are a retelling of the original Castlevania oh, on the NES? There are eight games that are retellings of the original You game. got it. Hey, that's a point for you, John. Well done. Can you name them for <clears> me? <throat> is it on there? No, but Super Castlevania 4 is one of them. Is the original Castlevania a remake of Castlevania, the original? Does that count? Not to my knowledge. Okay, here's another fun one. Super Castlevania 4 was originally released on a holiday in Japan. What holiday was it? Um, Golden Week. That's not a holiday. It's a holiday, is it? yeah, in Japan. What is, is there, Golden it's, Week? It's a, it's, a week in between, it's a week in between spring and summer when the weather is getting nice and like everybody takes the, everybody takes the week off work. Um, a lot of people take multiple weeks off work. Uh, they use it a lot of times for travel. Um, but if that's not the right answer, let's say Valentine's Day. 
No, that would be hilarious. No, it was in fact released on the most obvious holiday for a Castlevania game to be released on Halloween. Oh, see, that's I wasn't going to guess that because it seemed too obvious. It seemed like that would have should have been a trick question. Yeah. Yeah. And there is one uh, I got two additional questions. During the second half of stage 5, you can see statues of a character in the background. It's a bit of an easter egg. What character what character statue can be seen in the background of cast of uh, of Castlevania 4 what, in stage 5? What what which one was stage 5? I'll give you a hint, it is a Castlevania character. Let's say Richter. No, I'll give you another guess. Mm, Marie? No, close though. It is Silpha from Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse. Okay. Little Easter egg there for ya. Little Easter egg for ya. And uh, I have one really stupid question. In stage 9, you know those treasure chests we talk about? Sure. Hopping on a chest 50 times may produce what item? Oh, shut up, really? A, a gold bag. No. Hmm. Uh, what else would be in a chest then there in that game? Um, a knife. A small pork chop. <laughs> awesome. For no reason. Because That's great. as Castlevania has taught us, eating meat out of walls, out of walls. is always a good idea. And there, were a lot, there was a lot of uh, wall meat in this game. There was a lot of wall meat. Yeah. Also, a fun piece of trivia. I can't turn into a question. The dancing specters are given um, campy names in the U.S. release. They are known as Fred Escare and Paula Abghul. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Oh, Oh, boy. Yeah. They're a nice iconic enemy for the series, too. When I I saw them show up in that that level, I was was pretty excited. That's good. Anyway, we'll link... I will link to the e-book, SNES Classic, The Ultimate Guide to Castlevania IV, in the show notes, which you can find at GameLifeBalance.us. It is 122 pages, The Ultimate Guide to Castlevania IV, so... Pretty comprehensive. I, you know, I just got to, uh, well, we are going to switch shift to life stuff, right? Yep. <clears throat> All right. Well, now, uh, yeah, let's give an update, a quick update on our lives. Um, I got a Kindle for Christmas. Like Casey an, got me one. How do you like it? And I really like it, dude. It's like, it's crazy how portable, to, like, do you use one? Yes. I have like a, but, I have like a first generation one. I've got, I've had one forever and it still is awesome. It's still yeah. totally awesome. The battery life is, I don't know, 30 days on mine yeah right but like the when the background saver thing comes on it just looks like it's printed on there yeah i don't know know if mine looks like that so much because it's real old but um no i think i know what you're talking about though yeah well the tech is really cool so i've had on my amazon wish list for a while i saw a book when we were in spain a couple years ago about chrono trigger and chrono cross and I got really excited. It's only in Spanish. It's not translated. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I could read like a book about Chrono Trigger, right? One of the best games ever. And there's, there's, a, there's one called something like Dreams of a Distant Planet or something. And it's basically like video game history as told through Chrono Trigger or something. I don't know. Sure. It's, like, it's like a 250-page book. And it's only available for e-readers. So I'm like, oh, cool. It's 5 bucks or 250 with a promotion. So I just got it. And that's the first book I started reading. But it's got so many typos. Yeah. Like, I mean... It's probably like a self-published thing and, you know, like it. Yeah. So very um, disappointed with with that, unfortunately. But the, the Kindle itself is really cool. And Casey is starting a Lord of the Rings book club. 
And what is that going to be? We're going to read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like you two together. Oh, there's like a dozen of us. Okay. Yeah, no, my sister's boyfriend is really into the trilogy and she wants to read it. A couple of our friends want to read it. Um, her sister might Skype in. Like we've got probably like 10 or 15 people that are going to do this. Okay. You know, I've never read Lord of the Rings. I thought you tried to read The Hobbit like six times. I tried to read The Hobbit like six times and I hated it, so I kept stopping. The, I will say, hopefully your like tastes and have changed slightly because the fellowship, the fellowship, so those three books are hard. I would say they were harder to get through than The Hobbit. Uh, do you like them? I like the idea of them. I like. <laughs> I like. Uh, they are. No, they're not my cup of tea. Wow. I, I I read the Fellowship, and I never actually read Two Towers or Return of the King. Wow. And that was and that was enough for me. Okay. I never even saw the second or third movie. Because I just thought the first one was plotting and long. Yeah, and they get longer. Ugh. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, like, there's plenty of people that like it. Um, you know, it's it was, like, the first big fantasy world, like, or, or one of the first big realized entire universes. Um, and, I mean, it's set, and I think from, like, a historical context, it's a really, imp- it's obviously a really important set of novels. Because it right. it allows things like Wheel of Time to exist. It allows it allows Song of Ice and Fire to exist, um, because those are going to draw from from that. Like having a universe that you're drawing books from. Um, right. Song of Ice and Fire, both of us have read and loved. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, I couldn't. I just couldn't make it through it. It was just too. There was too much. There was there was detail in a way that. So you know how George R. R. Martin puts a ridiculous amount of detail in his books? For yeah. whatever reason, I can read through that and be like okay with it, but I could not make it through. Maybe it's like all of the all of the elven names that look like gibberish to me in Tolkien. I don't know. You'll see when you read it. Maybe it has something to do with that. But I, for whatever reason, it just did not grab me nearly the same way. Maybe it's because there's far less sex. Probably because there's far less sex. Uh, probably the lack of sex. Yeah, yeah. That's too bad. That um, sounds fun, though. Well, I mean, that sounds really cool. Yeah, we'll see. If I can make it through it, I've committed to one of the book club meetings because it's going to be like a nine month thing. Um, they're long. To, those book, those books to get through long. the trilogy. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But other than that, I also got the um, uh, for a little just gamer behind the scenes. I got the Civilization: A New Dawn board game, which I demoed at Gen Con last year. It's the brand new Civilization board game from Fantasy Flight Games. Did you play the demo? So I didn't play the demo, but I have a lot of experience with their original version of that game, and I don't know how. Like I'm sure that they changed quite a few things, but generally when they keep when Fantasy Flight keeps game names the same and releases a new version of them, they they do still share quite a few mechanics. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I'm assuming that there's probably a lot to that game that I would recognize. Okay. And, and I loved the original Civilization board game that they made. Now I was reading on Board Game Geek that the original game take, took four to six hours to play. Yeah. This, I read on Board Game Geek and on Reddit, supposedly this game should take 30 minutes per player, which was not our experience for our first game. It was more like three to four hours for the three of us. Nor, but nor, would, nor would it almost ever be for a very first time you play a game, especially if you're playing a first game where nobody knows the rules. Right. And I knew, I knew like some of the rules, but um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, jury's out. I liked it. 
I loved it when I demoed it. I like the way the game plays, but we we just got destroyed in like two turns by our friend in this game. So I don't know if that's a lack of balance or just a lack of me being good at it. So I need to play more of it, but it's pretty, it's pretty fun. In, in my pretty extensive experience with board games, they like, it'll, it'll require, it's going to require a couple of plays before you really get an idea of kind of how it's balanced. Yeah, for sure. So hopefully I can play it over new year's. I'll be spending that with some gamers and, uh, yeah. That's pretty much all I got, except the new graphics card I just got for my PC and then forgot that my monitor doesn't have an HDMI in. <laughs> what did you get? Um, I said on the I said on our text thread uh, a GTX G- something GTX right? 1060. Okay, so yeah. that's a, that's a good card. Which is better than what I need, apparently, because like I said in our thread, I was like, oh, I got a 1060, and everybody was immediately like, you only need a 1040 or a 1050, and I was like, oh, all right. No, the card's good. It's Oops. a That'll be a that'll be a good card for a while if you ever plan on using that computer for any type of graphic processing stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll probably upgrade it. I mean, I'll upgrade my motherboard and you know other stuff like yep. it, this is this is the PC that's going to be one of those PCs that's just like Frankenstein well, at parts least, over the yeah, years. At least yeah, Frankenstein. At least one part will be like nine years old at all times. Sure. So you know. Anyway, how how are you? I'm good. I have like nothing interesting right now christmas was awesome i love i got to spend time with family i love that but like no new gadgets no new nothing um i'm doing that project that i talked about um i've talked about it for the past couple of weeks um which is going to be retrospective um and so i've been trying to play through final fantasy 2 and i have just hit like the biggest wall with that in terms of i it's it's just such i'll i'll talk about it when I finally get get around to completing it, but it is such a, it is such an imbalanced game. Um, it, like it try it tries and it does some of these just the most interesting things, but then it just doesn't do them great. So, um, yeah, I'll talk about it eventually. You'll hear about it if I will eventually get through it. I just don't know when that's finally <laughs> going to happen. But I also started wow. Super Mario RPG, which is our first RPG. Um, and so I've been playing that in the mornings, but like generally, um, life has just been kind of day to day without anything super new and interesting right now. Yeah, I'm gonna. So we're gonna review Mario RPG four weeks from today. Now that I'm clear on that. Yep. And I'm gonna try to stream the first because I'm streaming the first hour of every SNES Classic game with Casey, with my wife, and they're usually kind of funny. So we're gonna try to do that this Saturday. We'll try Mario RPG. She's really gonna that. like Super Mario RPG. The hu- the humor and just kind of like the style of that game totally holds up. Yeah, totally oh, yeah, holds for sure. up. No, she loved watching me play Mario Odyssey for a while because yeah. it's. I mean, Nintendo just knows how to have fun. Yeah, it's true. You know, and um, that does bring us to the big reveal of next week's game and do you wouldn't you know it good old ryan dombrowski just about 15 minutes ago tweeted at us a third suggestion so we have three uh we have three nominations on the docket so here's how it works every week i'll post on twitter john will post on twitter follow us at producer cody id play game uh we'll post a list of the games we haven't reviewed nominate one and then we randomly select it on the podcast this week our nominations are from dombrowski contra three and the other two games that were nominated were Super Punch Out by The Real McCoy TV at The Real McCoy TV and Donkey Kong Country by at Real Kim Hansen, but we'll just call her Macaroni Tiger because sure. apparently that's her name now. So, so Donkey Kong Country, 
Oh, wait. Is, oh, yeah. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, Super Punch-Out, or um, Contra 3. Kind of interesting, because neither Punch-Out nor Contra 3 have been nominated before, I don't think. Mm-mm. I have never played Contra 3, so I'm kind of interested in seeing what that's going to be like. I'm assuming beating that game is going to be very difficult. Um, If we get to it. Will it? I don't know. I don't know. Contra, in general, has always been a really tough, tough series, so... Uh, that's true. Um, okay. Well, before we do the big reveal, because that's how you do a tease in the business, I do want to mention that we're a member of the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com. And there's lots of geeky podcasts there. And this week, there's a podcast called One Just One More Fix. Their most recent episode is episode 65, James versus Random Tables. Making conscious decisions or letting tables do it randomly, James and Lacey debate the usefulness of random tables in your tabletop games. I don't know what that means. Do you? Nope. Oh, random yeah. tables. Like, um, there'll be there'll be tables. So if you're like the GM of a game, there'll be a table that's that you'll have that'll be like, um, roll roll a d100, zero to twenty six, this monster appears. Twenty seven to forty two, this monster appears, and then like ninety five to hundred, this monster appears, and like that'll be like a rare, really difficult monster type thing. So those and, so like, and they've got like random tables like that for lots of other things like what's in this treasure chest roll d100 the D, the GM rolls oh. and then they and then they they consult the table to determine what's in the treasure chest interesting okay so if I'm a GM and I put them through a really hard quest I could be like oh this treasure chest has something really cool and it's and a it, big or I could pile just... of poop because I rolled because oh. I rolled 15 and that's the I've never poop, heard of that that's the poop roll that's pretty cool all right. I like it. There's another podcast that I believe is new to the network called Magic with Zuby. I don't even, I don't know if I've heard this one at all or heard of this one. Anyway, Magic with Zuby, episode 93, Brian Oxier. This week we brought on Brian Oxier, better known as Carl with a K from the You Meet in a Tavern actual play D&D podcast. We talked about Magic the Gathering as well as Dungeons and Dragons, what it's been like being part of a successful podcast, wonder what that's like, <laughs> and how they started and set it up, and had a lot of fun talking, and I uh, hope that we enjoyed the episode. So that's Magic with Zuby with Brian Ox here. Some more tabletop gaming. That's a lot of tabletop action. That could actually be a Magic the Gathering podcast. I don't know. Have you ever listened to a live Dungeons and Dragons play session podcast? No, but the idea intrigues me. I've listened to a few. What do you think? You can do it well, and you can do it very poorly. Right, and that's what I would be afraid of, is I think it, it feels like it would be super easy to do a very bad tabletop Right. Live In play. theory, you might think, oh, this is easy. My friends just crack a lot of jokes. This will be great. But if you really spend five to ten minutes listening to an actual Dungeons & Dragons game, it can be not good. Right. Like, th- kind of really bad. I think if you have a lot of actors... And if you have a good GM that drives action forward, I think it would be probably pretty fun. Yeah, the personalities have to be very balanced because coming from a radio background, I can tell you when you have more than three or four hosts on a podcast, even if they're in the same room, it, gets, it can get really muddled really quickly with audio and talking over each other. And as a listener, it's nearly impossible to know what's going on. So you have to know how to give and take focus extraordinarily well if you're five of you and you're playing a game at the same time. 
And like, yeah, the story has to be good. The storytelling has to be good. The characterization has to be good. Um, so it's tricky, but again, it can be done. And uh, apparently Brian Oxier did it, so maybe he's got a good one. I don't know. All right, well, I had a coin. Sweet. I had a coin to flip for this deal. You may recognize this coin. Mm. I don't know if you recognize this coin. It's got a one. Then on the other side, it's got uh, it's the same one you showed me just a second nope, that's ago. that's the one. And then yep. on this side, there's this. That's a... Uh, Umbrella That's, Corporation? Uh, it's the Hearthstone coin, dude. I don't know what... Oh, wait. Why do you have the Hearthstone coin? I don't know. I got it in some promo thing. It's like a like a real gold coin. Well, now it's you, solid gold. I mean, now you can't... I don't think it is. Well, now you can't flip it, though. Because you got three... I know, because we have three nominations. Yeah. So do, do I need to go get my bag of oh, six-sided dice? Oh, six-sided dice. Wait, no. I might have one. This drawer won't open. I have one in here. This plays really, this is going to take a while. This plays really well, by the way, for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this podcast. You host while I look for While Cody roots, roots around in his drawer. I, what's, what's really going to end up happening, though, is that he's going to look for the next two minutes here, realize that he doesn't actually have one in there, and then he's going to tell me to go get the dice that I rolled on the last podcast, which I believe he feels is weighted. <laughs> no don't oh my god do you know what i found in my drawer let's say a three-sided die you know how i just got a um to to hook on my monitor i yeah. had to order a dvid cable yeah. or whatever you mean i one, found a dvid to hdmi converter hdmi adapter why do I own this? Hey, you How ha- did that happen? You have it now. I literally could have hooked up you my monitor have, last night. But you know it. what? I'd rather have just a, the full... I don't, is it DVID? It's something like that. DVI. Uh, DVDA. Uh, DVDA. DVD. Is that what it is? DVD. Yep, it's DVDA. Yep. You know what? I know this is uh, unprecedented, but I don't have a six-sided die, so I'm going to ask you to get one. Yeah, shocking. How about you host for a second? I'm going to host for a second. I, yeah, I should have done the Gunna Geek reads now <clears throat> while John was gone. Actually, the Gunna Geek uh, d- uh, podcast just did a really cool year-end 2017 year-end special as well. So you should check that out. And also, my full-time job is working for Curiosity.com, which is a learning and media and awesomeness company where you learn something new every day. It's awesome. I host the Curiosity podcast. You can check that out at Curiosity.com. And uh, yeah, please check it out. It's really entertaining and very professional, like actually professional. I get paid to do it. It's my job, like I just said. So um, please do and please leave reviews because that helps me have a job, which is always nice. Um, And that's an awesome thing I would love for you to check out more than anything else, including Gonna Geek Network. Sorry, guys. I love you, but you don't pay me. Uh, (laughs) So there we are. And now, oh, look at all the dice. I know. I have all of the, like I said, I've got all of the dice. So um, I will roll... Oh, you can see this, right? I will roll one die. Let's say we do one to two, uh, three to four, five to six. So you go ahead and tell me what is what. Um, okay, well, one to two should be Donkey Kong Country because that it was, was the first, first one and it was the first one in the series. Yep. Yeah. Three to four should be Super Punch Out because it was nominated second. And, it was and the, five to six should be Contra three. Yeah, because it's the third. And yeah, no. That's, Although I feel like three to four should be Contra three because three is in the title. Three is in the title. No, that's probably right. And then Super Punch is just kind of the odd man out at five to six. What? What if? What if Contra three was three or six, and then Super Punch Out is four or five? Because then Contra is the multiples of three. 
Yeah, we we can do that. That's fine. We're going to do that. All right, cool. So one and two is Donkey Kong Country. Three and six, six. is Contra. Three, four and five is Super Punch-Out. Okay, let's see what we get here. So that's that's Contra three. That's six. That's Contra three. That's what Dombrowski in with the last the, minute? Yeah, audible. the late. That's right. The late. Uh, the late edition. It takes takes it, which is great actually, because this is a game that what you and I both have not played. Oh God, no! I haven't played it. All right. So this will be kind of interesting. I'm also. It's a multiplayer game, right? It is. I might need some help beating Contra three. That might be a good idea. I wish I had friends. And I might have to call on the big guns for that. Oh, no. Do you want that in your in your apartment? I might have to call in Russian John. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if you want that in your apartment. Oh, this is going to get really interesting. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> well, tune in in two weeks for our first episode of 2018 where we review Contra 3, and then we'll do Mario RPG after that. But keep an eye on us in the meantime on Twitter and all that stuff. And uh, now I'll let John say whatever he was going to say. I wasn't going to say anything. You can, fly, you can find me on Twitter at EatPlayGame. You can find Cody at ProducerCody. Uh, and then I do just want to say thank you for listening to the Game Life Balance U.S. podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And leave us a review if you really want to make our day on iTunes. You can uh, find us on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageek.com or on wgnradio.com. Learn more about Game Life Balance, including contact information and links to our sister show in Australia at gamelifebalance.us. Also, a quick shout-out to our sister show in Australia, Rob and AC are both on their month-long holiday breaks or whatever they get because they're not, you know, Because they're not American. in America, yeah. Yeah. Um, did I tell you about this, about their vacation announcement? No, but I mean, like, that doesn't surprise me at all that non-Americans are taking a month off at a time. No, I was I was listening a couple weeks ago, and Rob said something. He's like, yeah, you know, so I just had my last day of work, so, you know, now I've got four weeks off. And I... I, my like blood you did a, started you did a, to you did a boil. Spit take, didn't you? I I would have if yeah. I'd been drinking. I was so mad. I was just like, ah! You know how much time we get off a day if we're lucky? Maybe yeah. two. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that that's like his his like PTO, right? I guess that's his, it's not like work just stopped for a month. I think Australia month. just stops. You think in Australia December. stops for a month? Okay, that seems reasonable. That seems reasonable to we me. We live in the wrong. We live in the wrong state, country. We live in the wrong country. Yeah. Well, quick shout out to them. Rob and AC have been putting out really good episodes lately. They always do. Uh, I like to make fun of them more than I like to say nice things about them, but they're doing awesome. And they both had like really wild 2017s. Like they both went through a lot of crap and yeah. had to like do a lot of last minute travel and like crazy family stuff was going on. So like they like really kind of persevered and they made it through it and i hope 2018 is a lot better for them but i hope that it's and, not so much for better for everybody right well like, for everybody but i hope that it's not so much better for them that that takes the karma away from us so that we don't have excellent 2018s because i'm selfishly want you and me to both have well mostly me to have a really you. good 2018 and all our listeners for sure but not you as much but them certainly all right bye time to play the game